how Ralph and Trudy usually sit right over there in that area. So uh, he is a widower and just a super guy. So we need to pray for, for Ralph. Been a wonderful week and we've had a lot of ministry going on. And uh, Tom and Ruby, you, you guys are out of spot, okay? And uh, they're usually over here. So uh, it's good to move around, shake things up. Mark chapter 1. We are still in Mark chapter 1. You guys are here in good numbers today. Good to see you all. I was in the men's Bible study on Wednesday morning. By the way, not too late. Men, you can come and join us 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Uh, we have a men's Bible study that I, I lead. And we were there in the room and we were shooting for 30 men. And we had 30 last Wednesday. That is a great group for Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Someone usually has to shake me and say, wake up, Richard, it, it's early. Steve Barton walked in and said, looks like 200. And then he said, oh, wrong room. <laughs> this is where we want 200, alright? This room. Oh. Aren't you excited about wearing a name tag? Now I'm going to do it. Begrudgingly, alright? No, I'm going to do it. I have, you know, I've got a phobia. I'll just confess, I have a thing about wearing name tags. Uh, you know, I mean, you dress, you know, you get a good looking suit on, and, and then you got to put this name tag on there. But I, I'm going to do it because I am a team player. You know me, man, I go with the flow. I am a team player. I never go the opposite direction. I'm always with the group. And I lie about other things too, alright? So I'm not, I'm the renegade. Someone told me the other day, they said, who are you for in the Super Bowl? And I said, well, I kind of like Tom Brady. That's the, that's the look I got, Margaret, that look I got. Margaret gave me a snarl up there. Someone said you may be the only person in South Carolina rooting for Tom Brady, so I, I don't know. I'm not really rooting for him. I just, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good ball player and, and tend to, to like the Patriots, but if Atlanta wins, that's okay too. And, um, you know, I don't really have a dog in the fight. But anyway, I'm uh, getting back to the name tag. I, I hope everyone will wear the name tag. I went to um, Starbucks one time and um, I was watching a commercial the week before. And it was a commercial for Starbucks. And the commercial said, uh, when you go to Starbucks, you can be whoever you want to be. And they said, when you go through the line, you can have the option of creating a Starbucks name. You know, they say, can I write a name on the cup? So you can be whoever you want to be. 
So I got really excited. I thought, man, I'm going to come up with a Starbucks name. So I'm there waiting in line. And, and uh, what, what's the name of the coffee maker? Barista? Is that what yes, they call yes. them people? All right, yeah. Anyway, I'm in line. So got up there at the front and they said, uh, what, what name can I put on the cup? And man, I, I, I froze. <laughs> You know, I had a brain freeze. I couldn't think. And, and finally I said, my name is Earl. <laughs> so they wrote Earl on the cup. You know, I remember that old show on TV, My Name is Earl. And so uh, anyway, when they called Earl, I said, here I am. So I got my, my Starbucks name. Now, you know, Earl's a good name. It's not a sissy name. I, I didn't want to be a... Uh, sissy name. Could have said Earlene, but I didn't want to do that. No. All right. Well, Mark chapter 1. Have you ever sung a song and someone looked at you and said, I have never heard that song before? I was singing this song to Natalie Knotts, my, my secretary. And Natalie said, I've never heard that song. And the song I was singing was the banner of the cross. And uh, the words are, are these, there's a royal banner given for display to the soldiers of the king. As an ensign fair, we lift it up today while as ransom ones we sing. Marching on, marching on. For Christ count everything but loss. And to crown Him King, toil and sing neath the banner of the cross. Now how many here have ever heard that hymn? You know that hymn. Alright, some do. Alright. Well that's a wonderful old hymn about marching on. I, I like the old hymns that have a beat to them. You know, I like it when we can kind of move a little bit. I was watching uh, some people one time singing and, and it's amazing. Some folks, you know, they, they move when they sing. Others just kind of... You know, and I, I do the Baptist dance. You know what the Baptist dance is? You can move anything but your feet. <laughs> Baptist dancing's this. You gotta keep both feet planted, alright? You can't move your feet. You know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, though, this this wonderful old hymn, The Banner of the Cross. Marching on, marching on. That is really the theme to the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus had an incredible day. He had a wonderful time in the synagogue, a wonderful time here at Peter's mother-in-law's house. I mean, they did the healing there in verse 31, and she got up and she began to wait on them. And then, Jesus and the disciples are marching on through the day. 
Can you imagine what a day in the life of Jesus must have been like? Well, this day that we find here, beginning in verse 35 through verse 45, is a snapshot, a picture in the life and ministry of Jesus. There is more to be done in the kingdom of God. Today, Christ marches on through His people. It is Christ in you and me that accomplishes His work. There are three elements that you find in the day of Jesus here. One is prayer. One is preaching. And one is cleansing. And those three things we see in the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, does Jesus pray today? Yes. He is always interceding for you and I at the right hand of God. When I pray today, I have an intercessor at the right hand of God. And so He is still praying. Does He preach? Yes. When the man of God filled with the Spirit of God, declares the Word of God, He preaches through Him. I believe that. Cleansing. Oh, He still cleanses today, doesn't He? Remember the other old gospel hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood. They lose all their guilty stains. And so He's still cleansing today. Now, without fervent prayer and preaching, and without those two things, you don't have cleansing. You know, over in James chapter 5, I, I use this text Friday night. James, in, in that passage, verses 13 through 18, says that you and I, when we have the effective prayer of a righteous man, and James 5 uses that word, Effective. And that word means energizing prayer. Energio is the Greek word. It means a prayer with energy. A prayer with passion. Have you ever had anyone pray for you and boy, they had power and energy and passion in their prayer. I mean, it was like they were standing right before the throne of God. Man, I want someone like that to pray for me. And so Jesus had that, that energy in His prayer. Alright, let's look at the text today, okay? Let me read verses 35 through 37. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for Him. They found Him and said to Him, Everyone is looking for you. Well, Jesus there got up early. The Bible says very early in the morning. It was still dark outside. Can you imagine Jesus trying to get away from people? He had to get up early because... Early in the morning is when everybody else is asleep. Now, I don't know when and how you have your prayer time, but we find it harder and harder to find a place to get away from people. 
Now, I'll confess something to you. Sometimes I have a hard time getting away from people. I went to a meeting last week and they said, you're five minutes late. And I said, well, I had five people hanging on me when I went out the door. <laughs> it's hard to get away from people. I, I go to uh, a couple of... Uh, now, I probably shouldn't confess this, but you know, it's just us, right? <laughs> and also what's on SoundCloud. But anyway, it's just us, alright? I've got a few restaurants I go to, and I go there because I know no one's going to show up that I know. Alright? <laughs> and so, I go there and I hide in the corner. You know, it's funny too. When I go to a restaurant and I see church folks... You know they come by and they look at what I eat. <laughs> they do. They do. They look down my plate and see chicken and waffles. They go, you don't look like a chicken and waffle guy. <laughs> now what does a chicken and waffle guy look like? You know, I, I don't know. Have you ever gone to Walmart and ran into someone? Let me give you some advice. Don't look at their basket. <laughs> don't, don't have a conversation about what's in the basket, alright? Don't, don't do that. Just keep your eyes bit, alright? Straight ahead, alright? Don't look at the basket. Anyway, Jesus got up early, okay? <clears throat> yeah, I chased a rabbit, but I'm going to kill it, alright? Now... When you get up early, you avoid the crowds, you avoid the people. And you can have an intimate time with the Heavenly Father. I have a dear, dear friend. His name is Roger Browning. And uh, married to Sylvia Browning, who's on staff here at our church. And uh, I was Roger's pastor in two different churches, and Roger and Sylvia. And... and uh, this one church we were at, we had a lot of mission trips. And Roger was kind of my go-to guy to lead those mission trips. And there's one thing about Roger. He believed that whenever you went on a mission trip, you had to leave at one particular time. Four o'clock in the morning. Four a.m. He said, if we're going to do a mission trip, we've got to leave at 4 a.m. He called that the sacred hour. I said, yeah, it's sacred because nobody's up but God. I mean, that's why it's sacred. <laughs> 4 a.m. We drive to West Virginia. We drive back the same day. Leave at 4 a.m., get home at 1 a.m. the next morning. But anyway, Jesus, though, had a pattern of prayer that was in solitude and privacy because we can be distracted easily. In the book of Mark, we find Jesus habitually got away to pray. There are three recorded prayers of Jesus in Mark. Number one, at the beginning of the Gospel. And that's verse 35. <clears throat> Secondly, in the middle of the Gospel, at the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, the parallel in John chapter 6, verse 15, 
says that the people wanted to take him by force to make him king. But in Mark 6.46, you find the second time. And then the third time is near the end of the Gospel when he is in Gethsemane, praying before the Father about the cross in Mark chapter 14. All three prayers take place at a critical moment in the Lord's ministry. The setting for all three is in darkness and solitude. And the Lord found strength and power in the privacy of these prayer times. Now, if you look at verse 36 and 37, you find that the disciples were in panic. Why were they in panic? They were in panic mode because they said, everybody's looking for you and we can't find you. What they were really saying is that Jesus, you ought to be over here with us, not up there by yourself. But I want you to know that the most important work sometimes is when you are by yourself before the throne of God praying. Man, that's the work. That's the important work. And so, the kingdom of God marches on through prayer. Let me encourage you. Have a daily time of prayer. Have a daily time where you've got a time where you lay people out before the Lord. Where you intercede for your church and its ministries where you get before God and you say, God, I'm going to pour my heart out as a child would pour their heart out before a father. The kingdom of God marches on through prayer. I believe that God changes things because of prayer. I believe God heals people because of prayer. I believe that God brings revival to churches because of prayer. I believe that God changes me through prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. It is a way that the kingdom marches on. Alright, number two. The kingdom of God also advances through preaching. <clears throat> through preaching. Verses 38 and 39. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. So we find in 38 and 39 that Jesus began His ministry by saying not only prayer, but also preaching. Have you ever heard good biblical preaching? The answer is yes. If you come to First Baptist Church, you're blessed to hear it every week. Have you ever heard bad preaching? I have. Man, I, I wish I had the time back. I, I've said and listened to guys that couldn't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. Not just a paper bag, a wet one. I mean, they, they couldn't preach. Man, I believe that when someone gets up to preach, there ought to be fire in their belly. There ought to be passion in their life. 
I mean, I think they ought to pound the pulpit hard, swat flies, whatever. They ought to get up there and have a fit. There ought to be something, something powerful in the message they've got. Jesus, I believe, preached with power. I notice, He says, we've got to move on. Let's go to other towns. I'll preach there also. And He said, this is why I came. Now, the message Jesus had was a call to repent. A call to repent, lay down your life, pick up a cross, and follow Me. You know, verse number 38, Jesus said, this is why I came. Why I came. God had only one son, and He made him a preacher. Now, anytime someone comes up to me and says, Oh, I, I don't, you know, I come to church, but I don't want anybody to preach to me. I, I'll come to church, but I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I've, I've heard them rascals. I say, I got news for you. Then you don't want Christ in your life. Because God had one son, he made him a preacher. That's what we find here. Jesus preached. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says this How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Again, we find that Jesus had this way of preaching that drew people to Him. There was an attraction about His message. He did not speak like the scribes and the Pharisees. He was different. Now, I want to tell you, a lot of guys have given preaching a bad name because they're boring. Man, I don't do boring. I believe that there ought to be humor, excitement. You ought to be thrilled with the Word of God. And I believe that Jesus preached like that. There, there was something about Him. There was a charisma that He had. John Stott one time said, Christianity is in its very essence a religion of the Word of God. Jesus went throughout Galilee preaching the Gospel. And today, He preaches that Gospel through His people. Now, let me say this. I do believe there is a preaching of the Gospel not with the mouth, but with the life. Would you agree? Amen. There's a preaching where your life preaches the Gospel. book of James is an interesting book. It's called The Working Man's Gospel. Someone one time was talking about the book of James being a, a book about works. And he said, yeah, just like my mama's Gospel, you've got to work to prove your faith. There's some evidence of that. You've got to work the Gospel out. Well, third and last today, the Gospel marches on. Kingdom advances through cleansing. Through cleansing. 
In verses 40 through 45, you have a wonderful story. It's a story about a guy who is a leper. And let's just read this, 40 through 45. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching Him, and falling on His knees before Him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him, and said to Him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, there's Mark's favorite word, isn't it? Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to Him from everywhere. Let's talk about this cleansing. First of all, let's talk about leprosy. Leprosy was a horrid disease in the first century. A terrible skin disease that would begin with a little white spot and then would spread over your body. Literally, it would eat the flesh away. People would have their hands and their arms removed and amputated because of the leprosy. Terrible, terrible disease in the first century. So much so that there were leper colonies where all the lepers had to live together. And if a leper ever came out of that colony, they would scream out, unclean, unclean. And people would have to stay away from them. Isolation. Pain. Terrible, terrible disease. But leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Because as leprosy begins with a small white spot, sin begins in a very small way and grows and grows until it will take over your life. Jesus, in verse 40, He came. We find in verse number 40, the man pleaded with Jesus we find in verse 40 this leper knelt before him. And we find in, in verse 40 that the leper spoke to Jesus. Now, no one is ever forgiven of their sin unless they do those four things. They've got to come to Jesus. They've got to plead with Him. They've got to kneel or prostrate their heart before Him. And they got to talk to him. Now, notice the response of the Lord. He was moved with compassion there in verse 41. Oh, aren't you glad Jesus has a tender heart? <laughs> moved with compassion. And then Jesus did a very unthinkable thing. What did he do in verse 41? He touched the leper. 
He touched him. And then Jesus spoke to him. Here's what Jesus said. Yeah, dude, I'm willing. Be cleansed. I, I find that when Jesus healed someone in the Bible, He always did a different way. Now, sometimes He didn't even see the person. He'd say, go your way. The person's healed. Sometimes He would touch the person. One time He even spat and made a clay mud-like and put that mixture on the person. And the reason why is that Jesus knows what we need so that we can exercise our faith. Sometimes we anoint someone with oil in the name of the Lord. They need the family needs that, that kind of strength and that kind of faith. Sometimes we just put our hand on someone and pray for them. And sometimes we drive down the road and, and just pray for them. There's no right or wrong way. Jesus did a lot of different ways. But we do it the way that helps us exercise our faith. What helps us strengthen our faith. Now, in verses 43 through 45, Jesus told the guy, I want you to be quiet. I don't want you to say anything. Because if you start talking about this miracle, the crowds are going to show up again. Well, that guy didn't pay any attention to that, did he? Verse 45 says, He went out and began to proclaim it freely everywhere. And so the crowds came back. The Bible says, And they were coming to Him from everywhere. And Jesus could not publicly stay in the city. He had to be in the fringes. The kingdom of God marches on today through people that are cleansed. I want you to look at verse 44. Let me show you something. Verse 44, the last part. He says to this leper, He said, I want you to go and make the sacrifice to the priest. And the last part of verse 44 says, as a testimony to them. As a testimony. You know, there is a power, there is a... I mean, a way that God gets glory when we share a testimony. I heard Dave Elledge on Friday night. I've heard Dave's testimony three times. I've heard Byron Henson. But I, I could go around this room today and say, who's been healed of breast cancer? Who's been healed of prostate cancer? Who has had a, a prodigal child and that child has come home in faith. I mean, we all have a testimony we can share, don't we? There's power in sharing that testimony. Boy, this leper had a testimony. Nobody wanted to touch me. But that guy from Galilee, he touched me. And he healed me. Years ago, two wonderful people named Bill and Gloria, <laughs> the Gaithers, 
Well, hadn't Bill made a lot of money on them DVDs? <laughs> you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Bill Gaither, how much money did you actually make on them DVDs? He'll probably say, well, I might have one around here to sell you. I may be selling them in glory, I don't know. Bill and Gloria Gaither, though, read this passage. And they wrote a song after reading these verses right here. Let me read the words to the song. Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. Since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Amen. 1963. It's been a long time. That's when they wrote this, this song. But aren't you glad for the touch of the Master? Kingdom of God marches on through prayer, through preaching, through cleansing. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. I pray, Father, this week that Your kingdom will march on in our lives. Father, as we pray, as we proclaim our word of testimony, and Father, as we see people changed by the powerful Gospel. Thank You, Lord, that if we confess our sins, You are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now, Father, bless us as we go to a wonderful worship time and declare our praise to You in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful day.